it almost is getting to the point where there's, you know, democracy's having a hard time functioning. Almost getting to the point. Almost. Okay. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. They're getting some weather there today. Be careful, Arkansas. Up in Seattle on KODX, Jamesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell, if irritated fellow, (laughs) says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Yeah, I am irritated, Desi Doyen. Okay, why? Well, because here's some just... Some news that I have to report that okay. I, I, you know, I, I feel like it irritates me, but I feel like I should do it anyway, which also really irritates me. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> because it's a public service and it may save some lives, blah, 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 save lives. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really irritated doing it. All right. So let me just get it done, get it done here right off the bat, and then we can move on to... <clears throat> Things that are either less irritating or more irritating. We'll see how it goes. President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, said in an interview on Tuesday that he would recommend that everyone get COVID-19 vaccine shots, which is a significant shift as a majority of Republican voters express skepticism about getting those shots. Trump said during an interview... On Fox News, naturally, on Tuesday, quote, I would recommend it and I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. And a lot of those people voted for me, frankly, but it is a great vaccine. It is a safe vaccine and it is something that works. He said some other stuff, too. But I don't feel like sharing it. Suffice to say, Donald Trump recommends to all of you Trump supporters that you get your damn vaccine because it is great, it is safe, and it works. And if you don't believe anything that the, you know, lamestream media like CNN tells you or those lying doctors and epidemiologists like Dr. Fauci tell you, then at least you can hear it from the one guy who tells the truth. 
Donald Trump. See why the story <laughs> irritates me so much? Well, you know, he got a vaccine himself and just didn't tell anybody for a couple of months. Right. But yes, he knows that it's safe and it's good to go ahead and get vaccinated because yes. he did it himself. Yes. So that's the that's the good information coming from Donald Trump. Please take it. Thank you. Here ends my public service announcement. Uh, I want to save at least some of my outrage and irritation for my guest coming up momentarily. Jenny Cohn will be with us because she's got a blockbuster story about collusion and failure between two of my favorite groups. One is ESNS, the nation's largest private voting machine vendor. And the other is the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, that's the EAC, which is supposed to protect us from thuggish companies like ES&S and their dangerous, unverifiable voting systems. But as uh, we have been reporting about the EAC for years, they are more concerned with protecting the voting machine companies than protecting the voters. And Jenny's story, I think, underscores that in spades uh, and also underscores that while Team Trump has been for months, you know, busy pretending that the Dominion voting systems company flipped votes from Trump to Biden to steal the 2020 election, even though there is zero evidence to support that silly theory, there is reason to be concerned about ESNS voting systems that were used in far more jurisdictions than Dominion. But, of course, many of those jurisdictions were won by Trump, like Texas and Kentucky. So I guess no concerns. Anyway, I will irritate you with that full story uh, in, a, in a bit. But very quickly, here's some less irritating, maybe even some encouraging news today. Uh, as you know, we have been talking about Joe Biden and the Democrats and their big agenda after essentially using a, a Senate procedural trick, budget reconciliation, to be able to pass their transformative, progressive, sweeping $1.9 trillion American rescue plan with a straight <clears throat> up or down majority vote without the need to overcome a filibuster with 60 votes in the 50-50 Senate. But that trick can only be used essentially once a year, though because Republicans did not pass a budget bill last year, Democrats will get to use that same trick twice this year. But only for stuff that primarily deals with budget issues. So they may not be able to use it, uh, you know, they'll be able to use it one more time this year, uh, maybe, to pass this big, long-overdue infrastructure bill that I know Desi Doyen is very excited about. Yeah, depends on what's for in it, but reason. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for stuff like uh, H.R. 1, this uh, major elections and ethics uh, reform bill called the For the People Act and for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, both to both of them to counter all of the voter suppression laws that are quickly being put in place now by Republican state lawmakers all over the country and for the PRO Act to protect and strengthen labor unions around the country, and for immigration uh, bills like DACA, for gun safety measures, and, and many other progressive priorities that are being passed over in the U.S. House right now. Over in the Senate, they're either going to have to find 10 Republicans willing to help them break a filibuster, and good luck with that, or they will have to reform the filibuster, reform the rules in the Senate in some way. Well, we have focused on West Virginia 
uh, Democrat Joe Manchin as the biggest obstacle to reforming the filibuster in the Senate and also on Arizona's Kirsten Cinema, both of whom have said they don't want to do away with the filibuster. But there is another big obstacle to reforming uh, or killing the filibuster, and that is longtime Senate institutionalist Joe Biden, who has himself said that he did not favor killing the undemocratic Senate rule. Well, some good news there. Even he now seems to be finally coming around at least a little bit. The fight over the Senate filibuster escalated sharply on Tuesday, the New York Times reports today, as President Biden, for the first time, threw his weight behind changing the rules. That even as Senate uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican minority leader, threatened harsh reprisals if Democrats move to weaken the procedural tactic. You know, the procedural tactic Mitch McConnell did away with completely himself when it came to confirming U.S. Supreme Court justices to lifetime appointments on the highest court in the land and the procedural tactic that is still in place to block legislation as Republicans have vowed to do uh, with virtually every single Democratic bill that might otherwise now come up for a vote, even though they have won a majority in the Senate, a majority in the House, and they won back the White House. It's the Mitch McConnell veto. It is. In an interview, however, with ABC News last night, Joe Biden gave his most direct endorsement yet of overhauling the filibuster. This is really good news. This is actual movement saying that, yes, he favored a return, at least, to what is called the talking filibuster, the requirement that opponents of legislation actually occupy the floor to filibuster to make their case against it. I know you've been reluctant to do away with the filibuster. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. And you had to keep talking alone. You couldn't call for, you know, they, no, no one could say, you know, quorum call. Once you stopped talking, you lost that and someone could move in and say, I moved the question of. So you got to work for the filibuster. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Look, I think, don't hold me to the numbers, George, but I think between 1960 and 2000, I'm making this number up, I don't know. There were like, uh, you know, 50 filibusters. Now they're like 200 since then. Since Just put a hold on it, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, so the idea, it, it almost is getting to the point where there's, you know, democracy's having a hard time functioning. Yes, yes. This is true. Yes, Mr. President, you are correct. Uh, that was also the case, by the way, when he was running for president, when he kept saying that he was against reforming the filibuster. But that's OK. We'll forget about that. For now, it sounds like even Joe Biden is starting to get it, which is some very encouraging news because Democrats by themselves, as long as they do it quick enough, as long as they hold on to their 50 votes that they have, plus one with the uh, uh, vice president Kamala Harris there to break the tie, they, yes, can reform the filibuster. It would result in uh, Republicans, uh, you know, having to stand there and actually talk to keep a, uh, a straight up or down vote from moving forward. 
And so whether a talking filibuster will be enough or whether they'll, you know, come up with some sort of way to take turns talking forever, we'll see. We'll see if Democrats allow that. But at least there's some movement there. And I see that as very good news today after weeks and weeks, I think, on damn near every broadcast asking, well, how do we get past the filibuster? Now, we've got some momentum, finally, towards doing away with the filibuster or at least reforming it. And that comes particularly after the American Rescue Plan received zero Republican votes in either chamber of Congress. So Republicans ain't going to help. But with that, with this momentum, Mitch McConnell seems to be getting very nervous and is essentially vowing to burn the place down if this happens so that nothing can be passed in the Senate because he's a petulant jerk. But of course, that's already the case. Nothing can get passed in the Senate unless you unless you unless you use the procedural tricks like a budget reconciliation. But you can only use that once or twice. So Biden's comments came after McConnell issued this stark warning in the Senate to Democrats on Tuesday. So let me say this very clearly for all 99 of my colleagues. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin, can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. None of us have served one minute in a Senate that was completely drained of comedy and consent. Even the most basic aspects of our colleagues' agenda, the most mundane task of the Biden presidency, would actually be harder, harder, not easier. Perhaps the majority would come after the other rules next. Perhaps Rule 22 would just be the first domino of many until the Senate ceased to be distinct from the House in any respect. This chaos would not open up an express lane to liberal change. It would not open up an express lane for the Biden presidency to speed into the history books. The Senate would be more like a hundred car pileup. Nothing moving. Yeah, well, nothing is moving as is. Oh, no, Republicans are threatening to block everything. If Democrats don't let them block everything. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And normally, by the way, that kind of threat would would work to scare Democrats. And, you know, if I'm a Republican, by the way, I'm happy to see Mitch McConnell say that. I would have been delighted to see Democrats try to say that when Mitch McConnell uh, not only threatened, but did away with the filibuster for Supreme Court justices. Uh, but anyway, it seems that maybe Democrats now have learned their lesson to not fall for this kind of a threat, and that's clearly what that was. Mitch McConnell was threatening to burn the place down. In response to that threat, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, he is the number two Democrat in the Senate after Chuck Schumer. He noted that it was McConnell who, in fact, is the one who institutionalized the use of the filibuster, which had historically been used very rarely before McConnell became the majority leader. Durbin said that the procedural weapon was a particular sore point for him because for two decades now, it has prevented Democrats from enacting the so-called DREAM Act, the popular bipartisan bill that he wrote 
that would create a path to legal status for undocumented immigrants brought into the U.S. as, as children. Even though that bill has long had majority support, it's never been able to get 60 votes to clear the threshold. Durbin said on Tuesday, I brought it to the Senate floor on five different occasions, and on five different occasions it was stopped by the filibuster. Durbin argued that the burden should be shifted to opponents of uh, uh, any given bill to maintain a filibuster rather than on supporters to produce 60 votes to advance it which is the similar view expressed there by uh, Joe Biden. Senator Joe Manchin has also said that he would entertain the idea of requiring talking filibusters, that in fact there should be some pain involved in the process rather than just saying, no, I filibuster it and that's that. Senator Amy Klobuchar, Democrat of Minnesota, she has uh, endorsed the filibuster in the past. She says, I think people have just had it. I don't think we should let an antiquated Senate rule undermine the foundation of our democracy and stop us from making progress. That's good news. She heads up the Rules Committee, where they're about to hear uh, do a markup on H.R. 1, the For the People Act, that huge, important election reform bill. Of course, this isn't the first time that McConnell has threatened Democrats with all-out gridlock if they take away his best tool to obstruct legislation. He did it in January, too. He said it would be a nightmare scenario if it happened. But Adam Gentleson, a former Harry Reid staffer and an anti-filibuster activist now, uh, he wrote on Twitter, quote, Trading this for the ability to actually pass bills like voting rights seems like an easy call. If McConnell's tactics become truly onerous, Dems can always pass further reforms to end obstruction. So, you know, they could end the rules concerning unanimous consent that uh, uh, McConnell threatens to use to slow down everything. Gentleson said McConnell's goal is to make government fail. Dems' goal should be to make it work. Durbin told reporters recently that there's been a lot of work behind the scenes. That will soon come to the fore. So good. Bring it on. Good. I can't wait. Uh, in related-ish news, all of this possible reform is only possible because voters elected Joe Biden last year and flipped two U.S. Senate seats from red to blue in Georgia in January. In Thank order you, to, Georgia. Yeah, in order to give Democrats a governing majority. But, of course, there are a whole bunch of Republicans who, because they are dumb enough to listen to Donald Trump, believe that Joe Biden didn't even win last year because of a company named Dominion Voting Systems that somehow stole the election, even though there is no evidence to demonstrate that. But there is, as it turns out, tons of evidence concerning another voting machine company. And it's the one that, for some reason, Republicans do not want to complain about, even though it is the biggest one in the country. Election integrity advocate and Twitter superstar Jenny Cohn joins us next to talk about her big scoop on that. And heads up, Desi Doyen, Texas plays a big role here. Oh, boy. But they turn out to be heroes. That's a shock. Tell me about it. <laughs> At least a little for a change. The world is totally upside down. All of that is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast.
Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. The eyes of Texas are upon you Yes, they are, or they're trying to be, or they should be. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, we will get to Desi's home state of Texas, but to get there, we've got to go through Ohio. The three-person board of Stark County commissioners in Ohio last week rejected the purchase of more than 1,400 new voting machines made by the Canadian-based firm Dominion Voting Systems. The county's Board of Elections had recommended the purchase to the county commissioners, but all three commissioners on the board voted to withhold the money for the purchase following pressure from supporters of former President Trump, who falsely accused the machines of manipulating vote tallies in President Biden's favor. According to NPR, for months, local Trump supporters in Stark County voiced their complaints and, yes, completely unsupported beliefs about Dominion's voting machines. County Commissioner Bill Smith said in February that the response from local residents on whether to purchase the new voting machines, quote, far exceeded the response any of us have received on any topic to come before our board. All three commissioners on the board ultimately voted against the Board of Elections recommendations to buy those Dominion machines last Wednesday. They would have replaced antiquated touchscreens, uh, touchscreen systems that are used in Stark County, manufactured by the now-defunct Diebold Election Systems Company. Uh, the uh, commissioners said that they had to weigh the long-term viability of the purchase. Their resolution said, quote, whenever there exists a potential cloud or public perception or concern regarding a vendor's long-term viability, regardless of the cause or reason, the county must take a vendor's long-term viability into account when spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money. So, no matter whether the machines are good or at least certainly better and more secure than the ancient Diebold systems that the county is currently forcing voters to use at the polls, the perception that there is something wrong with the machines made by Dominion based on months of false claims made by Team Trump, which found zero evidence of the vote switching that they had claimed by the company, that alone was enough to scotch the purchase of the new voting systems made by Dominion. Trump and many of his inner circle helped to create that cloud of suspicion. His camp continued to spread the falsehood that Dominion machines changed votes even after multiple audits and recounts in several states and counties that used the company's equipment showed there were no issues discovered with the machines, at least so far, at least in last November's elections. But now it's clear, as Dominion has argued in several defamation lawsuits, that Team Trump's disinformation campaign has had a direct impact on the company's business. Officials in at least one other state, Louisiana, which forces every voter across the state to use antiquated, 100 percent unverifiable push-button voting systems, 
They have also now backed off plans to purchase Dominion voting machines following pressure campaigns from residents, according to The Advocate in Baton Rouge. This month, Louisiana's Secretary of State Kyle Ardwin called off the search for a company to provide the state with new voting machines after residents called Republican lawmakers demanding that the state not hire Dominion. The company was one of three bidders for the potential $100 million contract. Following the attacks of the company's, on the company's reputation, Dominion has reportedly been attempting to work with local officials to save its business somehow, while companies' employees continue to endure death threats, according to NPR. Yes, death threats from Trump supporters. Dominion, as we've reported in some detail in recent weeks, has now filed three defamation lawsuits against top Team Trump advocates, including former Trump campaign attorney Sidney Powell, My Pillow, the MyPillow Company and its CEO, Mike Lindell, and yes, Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Each of them is being sued for $1.3 billion in damages after outrageous, wholly unsupported claims about the vendor which in several cases, uh, these folks took my own decade-old deep-dive original reporting at bradblog.com from 2008 to 2010 regarding Dominion and several other companies who once had ties to Venezuela and its then-living president, Hugo Chavez, who was alive back then, uh, and they wholly bastardized and reimagined all of this to somehow become a a scheme in 2020 by Dominion to steal votes from Donald Trump and award them uh, to Joe Biden. And while I take no joy in ever defending private computerized voting and tabulation vendors who often uh, who, whose often unverifiable systems in truth have no place in our public elections, the claims against Dominion we're nothing short of absurd and, yes, evidence-free, and I do hope they are successful in their suits, if only because those false claims about Dominion make it more difficult for those of us hoping to bring attention to real concerns supported by independently verifiable evidence about these computerized voting systems made by Dominion and a number of other such companies. Case in point, our friend Jenny Cohn, an attorney and fierce election integrity advocate and journalist, broke a real story about very real concerns regarding a different voting machine company, the largest in the nation, in fact, a direct competitor to Dominion, with voting systems deployed to dozens of states. The company is named Election Systems and Software Inc., or ESNS. And Jenny's new investigative report, which was published last week at Who, What, Why, has garnered, sadly, little attention, despite the fact that it reveals, with actual hard evidence obtained via public records requests, that ESNS installed software on their voting and tabulation systems before the November 2020 election that could not be reliably known to have been the same authentic software that was certified by accredited testers employed by the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, or EAC, and that the EAC themselves appear to have colluded with ESNS to sort of cover the entire matter up. 
If Trump supporters want something to be legitimately concerned about, even outraged about, regarding last year's elections, Jennifer Cohn's new report at whowhatwhy.org should be just the ticket. It implicates voting systems that may have potentially been affected with hard documentation to support these concerns in more than a dozen states, including Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, uh, Washington, D.C., Florida, Iowa, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, Tennessee, Washington, Wisconsin, and Wyoming, along with Texas. And yet we did not hear a peep from Team Trump about the voting systems made by ESNS for some reason used in all of those states and others. So why doesn't Team Trump seem to be as outraged about ESNS's voting machines or the EAC's help in allowing potentially uncertified, potentially manipulated software to be used in elections in more than a dozen states last November? Well, those are questions I will ask Jenny Cohn, who now joins us to discuss her critical new deep dive investigative report and all of its various ramifications. Oh, Jenny Cohn. Welcome back to the broadcast. Wow, that was a really good um, introduction. Thank you. You should uh, you should have a radio show. I know that I was should. A pretty, that was a good synopsis. Oh, thank you. I I should uh, try to do this somewhere publicly. Now, uh, first, Jenny, uh, congratulations on the story. I know it was a tough one for you. I know it's it's long and detailed and well documented. Though I should add that if folks <laughs> get all the way through it, they will be rewarded by a quote from some guy described as an investigative journalist and longtime election integrity blogger and broadcaster named Brad Friedman, who says these issues underscore the absurdity of using expensive, complicated touchscreens to mark paper ballots for voters who are capable of doing so themselves with nothing more than a pen, which can't be hacked. So anyway, congratulations on getting that guy to comment for your story, too, Jen. Yeah, it was really hard to get him. Um, yeah, thank I know. you. I know. Uh, so let me see if I got this straight, because this is a very complicated issue, at least for radio. So I sort of want to see if I can simplify things as much as possible here, and then we can get into the details. There is uh, there is this process called hash verification, which is essentially a really geeky sort of computer process that compares two different installations of computer software to make sure that they actually match each other by producing a specific code to let you know that the software examined on this machine is the same exact software that has been installed on this other machine. Do I have that right so far, Jenny? I think so. Okay. Uh, the, it's supposed to match what was certified by the EAC. So typically it's the EAC comes up with the code for the software. Right. And, that's, and then, yeah, you, the customer is supposed to make sure that whatever the vendor gives them is mm -hmm. actually what was certified, mm -hmm. not something something like vote flipping software or mm -hmm. malicious software. Right. And then when in in this case in down in Texas, when ESNS installed some of their newest software on voting machines in Texas, software that had been certified by the EAC testing labs, uh, and it was supposed to match a specific hash verification code after installation, uh, the software installed onto the machines in Texas did not produce the expected exact hash verification code to certify that the software on the Texas machines was the same one that was tested by the EAC testing labs. Is that basically correct? That is correct. It was a hash fail 
and I don't know that they put down the specific number w- that was different mm-hmm. on the on the hash test. It would just say it was a hash fail, and the strong implication from the documents that were produced, which included the Texas Examiner's reports, was that they were telling. Well, I guess it would have been ESNS was doing its own hash testing, mm-hmm. but they were telling them that a that a mismatch should just be treated as a match. That e- even though these didn't pass the test, it should just be treated as if it did. Because yes, because they were already aware that there was a mismatched file, and the mismatched file was just an image file that was benign, and therefore just treat a mismatch as a match. But of course, what if the mismatch is due to something else? It, so <laughs> giving that sort of blanket instruction really concerned the Texas examiners when they found out this was happening. I should say so. This is software. Is, is this software that was to be used on actual voting mis- uh, voting systems uh, that voters were going to use in November? Yes. So this is, well, so what it was, their examiners produce reports mm-hmm. um, when they're going to certify a new system. And in a lot of states, you need EAC certification and state certification, mm-hmm. and Texas is such a state. And so there was a system from ESNS called the 6030, and it's a whole suite of machines. But, mm-hmm. but this particular problem with the hash mismatch had to do with the ESNS Express Vote, which is actually a component of many different ESNS systems. And so it was failing the hash testing. Um, it was their Express Vote touchscreen voting machines. But the 6030 was not to be, well, they wanted it to be used in November. Mm-hmm. It actually didn't get certified, but the problem affected earlier versions of the same system, mm-hmm. including earlier express votes that were in the field. Um, so and, it was an emergency. And 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 what does it mean uh, if the hash verification code uh, fails, the hash, uh, if, if, it, if it doesn't match as expected, that the software is not the same software? It is diff- It means there is, it is different than the software that was certified by the EAC. And so what was really happening, it was almost even worse than that, ESNS was just really cutting a lot of corners. Um, that's sort of the most benign explanation. And mm-hmm. so they were using an uncertified method to install the software in the first place. So you're actually supposed to get um, have the testing labs, the EAC testing labs, approve the method that you use to install software. So mm-hmm. number one, they were using an uncertified installation method because it was faster, I guess, than the certified method. Mm-hmm. And number two software installed with the uncertified method would then fail hash testing, which meant that it didn't match the certified software. Mm -hmm. And that means that the software, even though ESNS said, oh, this is, we we know it's not going to work because we've got a file that doesn't match, don't worry about it. In fact, they could have had anything in that code at all, vote flipping software or anything else in that code and and texas was just being asked to accept it trust us we're esns don't worry about it is that right that's correct and then it turned out it wasn't even texas and on top of that though i do want to say there was even sort of a almost a bigger issue although for whatever reason that one was not the one that the eac investigated which is that esns was conducting its own hash testing anyway so normally the customer is supposed to do it because, as the examiners pointed out in a lot of the emails that were produced to me, mm-hmm. the whole point of it is to make sure that the vendor is being honest and that they're not giving you, you know, malicious software, vote flipping yeah. software. So to have the vendor do the hash testing themselves defeats the whole point. They called it some one of the examiners called it a fox, the fox guarding the hen house, and said it was ESNS self-certifying their systems. And this was in the documents produced to me, which 
it was just really stunning. Even the attorneys for the Texas Secretary of State were appalled. Yeah, which is, you know, here in California, at least as I understand it, counties will install the software themselves and check the hash verifications themselves to know that the software installed is genuine. But in Texas, they were letting the ESNS employees do the installation and basically tell them, uh, yeah, everything worked out great. Yes, and not only that, it's actually written into some of the contracts that they're required to let ESNS do the testing themselves, or ESNS can void the warranty. And it, it's probably other states, too. Um, I've been calling on the EAC to, you know, we can talk about that, to mm-hmm. respond and conduct an investigation to find out how many states are allowing ESNS to do its own hash testing. Uh, and I want to get... Even aside from the more complicated hash fail, you know, that whole thing, uh-huh. and... They've just been um, radio silence. They I, wouldn't even. They haven't even responded to my Freedom of Information Act request. I, and I want to get to the EAC in a second because, yeah. as usual, uh, for years, you know, uh, Jenny at Bradblog.com, we have been uh, reporting on the just failure year after year by the uh, U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. But just to stick on this ESNS point for a moment, yeah. uh, one of the Texas officials that you quote in the letter says that allowing, uh, essentially allowing uh, ESNS to handle all of this themselves is, quote, a gift-wrapped opportunity to an insider threat. Under the current guidance from ESNS, an insider now knows specifically which file is not being inspected. It is similar to a bank robber knowing that the camera covering teller number three is broken. So uh, folks have long warned that the greatest threat to elections doesn't necessarily come from, you know, hackers overseas, but from folks working inside the company. Someone who was working at ESNS installing these uh, the software would know exactly what they needed to do to avoid detection, if I understand it. Right. That's right. And Eddie Perez, you also gave us a great quote. Our friend uh, has been on the show a number of times. He's uh, with the Open Software Election Technology Group, OSET. Uh, He lives in Texas, and he used to work with the private vendor Heart Inner Civic. He said, I find the issue of acceptance testing, I guess that's the hash verification, said, I find the issue maddening. I've known for years that ESNS often does acceptance testing for customers, which is totally inappropriate and has the gall to charge customers for the service. He goes on to say forcing customers to permit the vendor to do acceptance testing is like uh, 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 buying a new home before the closer before the closing. The seller says, you don't need a final walkthrough. Just trust me. That is really exactly. what it's like. Exactly. So as nuts as this story gets, it gets nutser, Jenny Cohn. The Mm -hmm. state of Texas contacted, I guess, the federal uh, EAC with this concern. And did they ask for an investigation or what? Um, I believe that's the implication. It was a phone call from the the documents that were produced to me. The initial contact was Mm -hmm. done by phone. And, um, I mean, there's a reference that they called them and... The EAC did launch an investigation. I don't know if that was specifically what was asked, mm-hmm. but this was, keep in mind, this was about 40 days before the election, right. between 40 and 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it's an emergency because the um, ESNS was, when the EAC contacted them, they were forced to admit it was by no means just Texas, and it was by no means just the two systems that were, you know, the one that they were trying to certify in Texas mm-hmm. and the one that Texas already had in the field. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it was a whole bunch of different versions. It was up to 35 versions in 19 states that were potentially impacted. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, they're trying to get their hands around this thing just before an election. And keep in mind, we have early voting in many of these places. Right. So um, the EAC was kind of in a panic, I think, because if it had leaked out, you know, they, they couldn't honestly say that they knew what was in those had, that what had been installed in those states was what it was supposed to be. And of course, the EAC is supposed to protect, uh, supposed to help election officials protect jurisdictions from faulty voting system software, among other things. So did the EAC at that point send out an alert to all of these other states who use ESNS voting it, systems to let them know about it, this concern? It did. It did. OK. And did they let the public know? They did not let the public know. In fact, it looks like they purposely buried it. To me, that's how it looks. I, they've declined to comment for my article. I actually co- I contacted so many people for this article f- from the EAC multiple times and from ESNS multiple times and from all the test labs multiple times, everybody, and nobody would comment. I think one of the test labs told me that I had to go through the EAC. And that, that was the only comment I got. Mm-hmm. So... Um, no, they were not public about it. They post, in fact, they waited until, so they, what, what the EAC did, mm-hmm. you know, they, they didn't do nothing. They had some test labs collect all of what ESNS told them was all of the versions, mm-hmm. or at least 19 of the 35 originally listed, the test labs looked at. And in a lab, they went through and confirmed that, that the mismatch from the uncertified installation method um, they confirmed that it was due to a benign mismatch, but they gave an instruction that you still can't just tell a jurisdiction to override the mismatch that they'll get when, with mm-hmm. this uncertified method. The jurisdictions would have to, they had to assign a hash to the mismatched file so that the jurisdictions could then make sure the mismatch was benign as opposed to oh something God. else. And the EAC, I, I didn't, as far as I can tell, I mean, they sent the test lab reports to uh-huh. all of the states, but really they just, it was a very abbreviated communication which just said, great news, the test labs have certified this uncertified installation method as <laughs> <is> de minimis. <laughs> and then they didn't say anything about the customers needing to follow the instructions to redo their hash testing, basically, with this now that they had the hash codes for the mismatch file. De minimis meaning, oh, this is just a small issue, nothing to worry about, Uh, just go about your business, because, by the way, early voting has already started on these machines with potentially the wrong software. That's already underway, so, so don't sweat it. And, by the way... Don't tell anybody in the public about it because you didn't even uh, you said that while EA, EAC never responded to your uh, uh, questions and concerns, they did end up posting about exactly this problem months after the election in, in February, I think, of yeah, this year. So what, hap- what happened was I did a, a Freedom of Information Act request to the EAC in January and hadn't heard back. So then in February, because I was working on my story... I sent a follow-up to the EAC, and I actually CC'd the director, Mona Harrington, mm-hmm. who had been involved in all of this stuff, saying, look, if you're too busy, maybe she can just send me the, their final investigative report. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mona, can, you know, Ms. Harrington can send this to me. Mm-hmm. No response, but that same day, although I didn't discover it till days later, that same day, suppose, let me put it this way, 
that was February 11th, 2021. Mm-hmm. So sometime after that, I checked the EAC's website, and for the first time, they actually posted the change order regarding the uncertified, their, their de minimis finding, mm-hmm. right? So they, they're supposed to post that to their website. This was October is when they told everyone it was approved. But what they posted on their website said that it wasn't improved until February 11th, which was the day that I emailed them. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, it had all of it was inconsistent with the documents I'd received from Texas, um, which A showed it was approved in October, mm-hmm. um, and B showed that the labs had only reviewed 19 systems. What the EAC posted said it applied to 35. So then I, I got back to them about that, and again, no response. But they changed it to be. 19 systems and approved in October. So they won't talk to you. I don't know what they're doing. They won't talk to you, but they will sort of change things, backdate things, whatever it is, to sort of cover their tracks. We have seen this before. I wrote a a chapter in a a book called Loser Takes All years ago about uh, the the state of Nevada doing exactly that, using basically using uncertified new voting machines made by a company named Sequoia at the time, which was unlawful for them to use uncertified uh, voting systems, and then uh, eventually the EAC sort of backdated certification documents for them to make it all legal in retrospect. And uh, I had a very difficult time getting comment from them until they panicked, and we finally had a long phone call with them when they tried to basically cover their tracks and say this is nothing to worry about. So this is not new for the EAC. This is sort of what they do. They protect vendors. They don't protect voters. And it makes me absolutely insane. They should produce their investigative report because mm-hmm. at the very least we have a vendor, ESNS, which is, I believe, in at least some counties in about 40 states. Yeah. Um, with very sloppy um, protocols, at the very least. Um, and the public deserves to know this because the the um, fallout from all of the lies told about Dominion voting mm-hmm. is that ESNS is going to become even larger than it already is. And at a very conservative estimate, and frankly, it's a wrong estimate done in 2017, was that ESNS accounted for 44% of U.S. equipment and Dominion 37, mm-hmm. with a smattering of other vendors. ESNS actually has a larger footprint than that, and Dominion a smaller footprint than that, yeah. because um, everyone keeps putting Diebold systems, which are still circulating, mm-hmm. into the Dominion column by default, um, because Dominion has the intellectual property. But the truth is, ESNS um, kept all, of, almost all, not all of them, but yes. almost all of the contracts. Some, some of so the old footprint is actually much larger. Yeah, some of the old Diebold systems were 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 purchased by uh, ES. The contracts were purchased by ESNS. Others by almost Dominion. All of them were. Yeah, all the big ones. Oh um, yeah, no, they're, they're huge. They're the biggest guy on the block. And for years, I have been hearing from uh, election officials describing ESNS as in basically comparing them to the mafia. I mean, as far as how thuggish they are. They're uh, very yeah. corrupt. Um, the other thing that was really startling is that they misled, that's a nice way of putting it, when they got caught. So this happened during an examination, again, of the 6030. And um, the examiners, from what I can tell, were appalled when they found out that they were using this stick installation method that had not been certified. And I, I actually, the impression I get is that they brought that method there by accident. Like they had a, a different one of the examiners. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife was afraid of him traveling because of COVID, so I think they sent somebody else. 
in any event, putting that part aside, when they confronted her, the examiner, I mean, the, no, sorry, the person from ESNS about it, she said that the test labs for the EAC, because the EAC had already certified the system, mm-hmm. that they were aware of the um, uncertified stick installation mm-hmm. method and treated it as a match. That's you know, they weren't worried about it. Basically, that's kind of where they just treated it, a mismatch as a match. Mm-hmm. The test labs both denied it. Now, you know, I don't know which one to believe, actually, well, frankly, but I, t- I tend to believe the test labs more than... She had no documentation. Yeah. I, I, and then she, she also misled, saying initially she said, oh, well, it's not in any fielded system. She said it was just for this new 6030, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. But then they later on had to admit that it was also in their fielded 6020, which was all over Texas. Fielded systems, and, meaning systems that were out and already being used, and that's where I yes. sort of want to get. Did they ultimately... Uh, use in Texas and other states systems that we can't know, that we don't know right now if they are actually the proper software or not in this well, last absolutely. November. Yeah. Absolutely, because, I mean, even beyond the express votes, you have ESNS doing its own hash testing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no indication in the documents. So Texas, to its credit, tried to resolve the issue the best it could. I mean, they're the ones who alerted the EAC. And keep mm-hmm. in mind, this is the Texas Secretary of State, not mm-hmm. the, um, it's, it's the... It's the members of the Texas Secretary of State's office. It's actually not the AG, which is... That's Ken Paxton. Right. Um, that was... The, the, were the most concerned, anyway. And so what... Um, but wait, what was the... I'm sorry, what was your question again? Well, did they um, use these uh, yeah. in the November oh, so, election? Well, they, what they did is they asked ESNS to identify all the affected counties in Texas and had ESNS... <laughs> installed um, with the certified method. And I, I believe it appears to me that they had ESNS do the hash testing even for that. So whether that was a meaningless exercise, you could argue it was a meaningless exercise. Mm-hmm. But um, on top of it, the documents I got stopped in uh, December 9th because that was when I submitted the, my records request and indicated about that day that they were going to meet with ESNS later that month because ES, it turned out there were more systems possibly affected in Texas than ESNS had admitted. And yes, other states absolutely were affected, although at least somewhere between 19 and 35. I don't know why the number kept going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I don't believe they were given the instruction even, or at least not clearly, that they needed to do redo the hash testing and um, based so for the affected systems, and so I, I highly doubt that they did. So I have, uh, I've got just a, a minute or two here, uh, Jenny Cohn. I've got two quick mm-hmm. questions for you on this. Uh, one, what is your theory as to why none of this, these are legitimate concerns, but none of it was raised by Team Trump. They were busy fantasizing these complicated conspiracy theories about Dominion voting systems, and yet here was a very real concern about a company uh, with voting machines in many more states than Dominion, ES&S. But it was, I never heard anyone on Team Trump raise concerns about ES&S. I don't know, but it made me very concerned that they're that they were told not to touch ESNS or to at least tread lightly on ESNS. There were a few, Sydney Powell made a couple of mentions, but very mm-hmm. very few compared to Dominion. And for the most part, all of the influencers on social media who I was tracking it really carefully to see what they were saying, mm-hmm. they would even take stories about ESNS and just put the name Dominion in there <laughs> really? in a tweet. <laughs> so it was quite striking. I do want to say Ken Paxton also made a big deal that that the state of Texas, uh-huh. the AG of Texas, right. had not certified Dominion and never has talked about ESNS, and his office was on notice of all of this stuff. Right now they're about to make a ruling on my request for the video where all of this came out. 
um, because ESNS is objective on privacy grounds. This is literally where they were like, oh, my God, you're using an uncertified installation method, and, and it, there's a video of it because it was live stream. A, a, video, of, a video of the meeting where they are discovering yes. and, and talking about this problem yes. at the heart of their voting systems. Yes, there's a wow. video of it, okay. and they are not producing it um, because they gave ESNS a chance to declare it private, and now they're having the AG make a legal ruling. Texas Paxton. Really? So, uh, yes, this just happened. I just got the letter the other day. A meeting between a private vendor uh, who is being paid millions of dollars by the state uh, discussing the software and the systems that the state is paying for, that is somehow private. I think they're saying it's got their trade secrets because yeah. of the hash testing, but uh -huh. you know they could they don't have to tell me the codes or anything. They could uh, bleep out that part. Mm -hmm. So, um I, you know, I I'm concerned because I don't have a Texas attorney. I am an attorney, but I'm inactive <laughs> and I'm not in Texas, yep. and I I think I'm just going to get railroaded and never get the video. Well, for what it's worth, I got your back, Jenny Cohn. Last question, how much of this could be avoided with hand-marked paper ballots rather than these complicated touchscreen voting systems and 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 by the way did that ever come up as far as you know during the state of texas's concerns about these esns machines no i don't think that anybody ever said why aren't we using tens they don't require hash testing and <laughs> um, they should have it would certainly be minimized the the mismatch was was specific to the touchscreens that many jurisdictions are using instead of pens to mark paper ballots right. um and they require hash testing. Pens don't. But there, are, even with the hand-marked paper ballots, there would be other systems for which ESNS is doing its own hash testing. The, the scanners. The, uh, the, the scanners. The yeah. Yep. But at least so without manual audits yeah. and hand-marked paper ballots, we're in really big trouble. And that's what we need to be advocating. I haven't seen, as far as I know, Trump is not, the, the former you know, Trump allies have not been making a fuss about getting manual election audits in, in states. Mm -hmm. And they've opposed it at the federal level as an invasion of their state's rights to yep. cheat, I guess. Yeah, they blocked so, it in Congress, and I have not right. heard them calling for hand-marked paper ballots. It almost makes you think... Or that, manual audits, even at a more or, basic level. Yeah, it almost makes you think that these um, uh, Trump it folks... narrative warfare. ...are not really concerned about election integrity after all. Go figure. Right. Jennifer Cohn is an attorney, an election integrity advocate, and a Twitter activist. Her articles on election security have been published by the New York Review of Books, Who, What, Why, Salon, uh, oh yes, and even at bradblog.com. She can be contacted through her very popular Twitter account, Jenny Cohn one which you should follow. Uh, I, I'm demanding it. And also you can read her uh, latest story at whowhatwhy.org. It's headlined Election Assistance Commission Investigated ESNS Voting Systems. And I will, of course, link to that story as well. Jenny, great work. Congratulations. I know this was a heavy lift, but it was worth it. It's really important. Thank you for uh, all the good work you do. And thank you to you as well. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much. You bet. All right, quick break, and we're back with our closing few minutes right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But, of course, we need your help to do it. 
please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And, well, you'll be shocked to uh, learn that I ran too long there with Jenny Cohn. So <laughs> all of my plans for the C-Block are out the window entirely, Desi Doyen. But oh, well. it gives me a chance to ask you, did that make sense? Do you understand? I realize it was quite geeky what we're talking about, hash verification and all of this stuff. But do you understand and do you understand the danger of of what's going on here that nobody seems to be talking about. Yeah, it, well, it made sense to me. Granted, I, I do hear a lot of this stuff because I'm here every day. So I have to say, though, I believe that we <laughs> will make everybody election integrity geeks if it kills us. <laughs> it and will it happen. May. Yeah, and it, it may. may. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other thing that, that made me think of the poor rural local election official, you yeah. know, Marge or Ken, who yeah. don't have IT experience, who are no. not IT experts, who have to rely upon these voting systems vendors to tell them how things work and if yep. it's right or certified or not. And and unfortunately, that is terrible to have these local election officials be reliant upon vendors who have a financial interest in having those officials accept whatever they tell them. Well said. And that that's exactly what we have allowed to happen with our public elections. We've allowed these corporations to come in and, and tell, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, County election clerk, oh, this software is great. Don't worry about it. Trust we'll me. We'll take care of this. Trust me. Which, A, allows them to do anything they want. And B, you know, it was the EAC that was created uh, with the Help America Vote Act after the uh, 2000 election that was supposed to oversee these companies on behalf of Mr. and Mrs. Election County Election Clerk. And the EAC has really never done that. They have been just, you know, they've been underfunded for sure. But even with the funding that they do have, they have done a terrible job. They just working for the corporations. They were captured when this whole thing began. Yeah. Anyway, so my great thanks to Jennifer Cohn for bringing out that uh, story as heavy lift as it was. Uh, I hope you do understand it. And I hope you understand the, the threat that these voting systems pose to our democracy. All right, got to get out. My thanks to Jenny Cohn and, of course, to my producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion today or any other show, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. All of this is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Thank you. Drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh,